welcome to a May 12th edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley, appreciative of your time today. We're going to talk a little Ohio high school sports. We are going to talk a little Blue Jackets, Columbus Crew, and NFL schedule week one is out. Tonight, the rest of the schedule comes out. We've already known who the opponents are. Now we know in what order, or we'll soon know in what order, they will be played. So thank you for joining me. Faith portion of the podcast at the end, which will focus a little bit on current events and hopefully give us some confidence going forward in a very, very unsettled time in our world. A reminder that HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com, longest running sponsor of the podcast, ready to give you the best coffee you've ever tasted and to do great work around the world as they do it. They buy direct from growers. Those growers pump that money into their local economies. You get great coffee. They get a great service locally where everybody sort of the the coffee guy buys from the milk guy the milk guy buys from the meat guy people get employed ministry happens great things happen hemisphericoffeeroasters.com mechanicsburg ohio easy to order online make sure you use the promo code we tackle life in all caps we tackle life in all caps to get your 15 percent discount from hemisphere coffee roasters they're phenomenal people and their coffee's great spiels loves it house blend hunter's blend Java Blues, you name it, they've got it. And the newest flavor, bourbon barrel-aged coffee. Doesn't that sound good? Find all the flavors at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Yeah, K-Cups, whole bean, light, medium, dark roast, they've got it all. Okay, let's start with the Fuhrer over the Columbus Crew rebrand. I talked about this a little bit Monday. I didn't have a full measure of how big of a deal this would be. Um, Let me just say this. I'm friends with Pete Edwards, co-owner of the Crew, uh, Pete's been my doctor. Pete's uh, really been kind to me over the years. So honestly, I'm less inclined to rip on uh, this decision than I would be if I didn't know the owners. I mean, I just I'm I'm confessing my prejudice. Um, I uh, at one point in time, you know, thought that I could uh, maybe get a position with the crew in PR. <laughs> If I had, I would have counseled against this move. Uh, this is, I'm I, the 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 difficult thing about this is you don't know who's bringing the pressure to bear on the franchise. Okay, I think it's very possible the Haslam's who co-own the team, Jimmy and D Haslam Browns owners, are behind this because their son-in-law J.W. Johnson um, has a lot of authority, <laughs> shall we say, in all matters the Haslam's are involved in. And I could see where the viewpoint from the NFL ownership side of this is fans are never going to go away because NFL fans never go away. Browns fans never go away. They get mad, but they never go away. And I'm going to assume crew fans aren't going to go away because eventually they'll get over this. It's not a, it's not, okay, like let's put it in a marital context. It's not adultery, right? It's not like a permanent fracturing of trust but it's a big fight. Crew fans help save the crew. Crew fans' interest in saving the crew motivated Pete Edwards to dig deeply into how can we save the crew. He had the means. His family's a phenomenal family, done great things for Columbus, built big developments and things like that, Edwards Development, uh, installed building products. I mean, they're they're smart people, very smart people, very high-achiever people, very community-minded people, but... Had the fans just laid low and let Anthony Precourt move the team to Dallas, I don't think Pete Edwards would have been as motivated to network and save the team. Okay, so the fans have a stake in the team. They've proven that. 
this is an unnecessary effort to, if driven by the Browns, sell more gear and, hey, let's seize on. we got a new stadium and we're the MLS Cup champs and all this kind of crap. And you don't do this during a season either, by the way. You do this in the offseason so people have a chance to calm down from it before the season starts. So I know a lot of you aren't dialed, dialed in crew fans, but this is kind of a marketing study. And it's interesting. When I did my application for the crew, I did a, a crisis management study of how Ohio State handled the Urban Meyer-Zach Smith thing. And they made a lot of mistakes at that. And the crew made a lot of mistakes here. I mean, now they're called Columbus SC, whatever. You don't know if the city brought to bear on the franchise pressure to, hey, publicize the Columbus part more than the crew part. You don't know if the MLS put the pressure on. Hey, everybody else goes by city name. You guys go by nickname. We don't want that. We want city names. So my point is, I think it appears to me, and this is this is about... 10% of my friendship with Pete Edwards talking and about 90% of what I think are pretty good instincts on this kind of thing. Pete Edwards is the face of the ownership group. He's easy to love. He was the team doctor. He loves soccer. He's done a lot of great things for the city with Ortho One. He's a personable guy. He's a perfect face of the franchise owner because he loves his team. He's clearly invested in his team. He's bonded with the fan base. So Pete Edwards is an easy guy for the Haslam's and the league or the city to put out there as the guy, hopefully with a Kevlar vest, to take all the bullets from the fan base on this. I have not talked to him about this, and I probably won't talk to him about this. But it just seems to me like I have a hard time believing this originated with him. Doesn't matter to you as a fan. I get it because... You don't like it, and honestly, I understand why you don't like it. You had a deep emotional investment in the Columbus crew. I think it's kind of silly that somebody felt a need to separate Columbus and crew because, to me, they were inseparable. Why do that? The only reason to do that, and, in, and this could have been done without doing what they did, was to create some new merchandise a new logo here or there. Like, I'm guessing, just guessing, that that 96 logo that they have now with all the little lines in it, I'm guessing that's going to mirror some architectural part of the new stadium. And you could do that without prioritizing Columbus over crew. Um, so I just think, you know, the whole thing was not smartly done. If they didn't expect a firestorm from the fans, they haven't been paying attention enough in Cleveland at the league office or in the city mayor's office to how much the fans love, and I mean love, and are loyal to their soccer club. I know Pete Edwards understands that. I know he does. He and I have had conversations about that. He's not clueless about that. But sometimes... The person who's not at fault has to stand there and take the bullets because the Haslam's aren't coming down here to do a press conference. Andrew Ginther, if he had a role in this, isn't standing up to take any criticism for it. 
Uh, and Don Garber's never coming back here if he doesn't have to. So that's what I think is happening. Again, I don't have any inside information. This is all, I could be totally wrong, but that's what I see. Um, will the fan base recover from it? Yeah. Eventually, they'll kiss and make up. The stadium will open. It'll be beautiful. They'll get over it. The team is good. I hope the team wins because if the team doesn't win, people will continue to grouse about this rebranding. But if the team wins, they'll be fine. Um, but it was an unnecessary mistake. And, um, you know, if you're going to shoot yourself in the foot, you can't complain that your foot hurts. They shot themselves in the foot on this one. And um, that's my opinion of it. Okay. Uh, no amount of great lawyering will get them out of this emotional situation. But if you need an attorney to do a great job for you, Willis Spangler, Starling Will. They are awesome people. I trust them with everything in my life from a legal standpoint. I can't give them a higher endorsement than that. They're just normal, down-to-earth people, but super smart, well-versed in the law, expertise, character, integrity, all the things you really want in a law firm. You don't want to be represented by, you know, the uh, people who, eh, can I get away with it? Yeah, then let's do it. No, you don't want to be represented by people like that because their compromise of integrity reflects on you. You want somebody who is right in line with how you want to conduct your life, but, but is a bulldog in sticking up for you. That's Willis Spangler Starling. They're located in Hilliard on Truman Boulevard. WillisSpanglerStarling.com. Okay, before we get to the NFL, had a chance Monday night to spend 40 minutes with Ohio High School Athletic Association Commissioner Doug Ute. The OHSAA is managing its own little tempest in a teapot. More than that, actually. Like the crew is. Excuse me, like Columbus SC is. I guess I better get on board. Um, OHSAA, three big announcements lately. First one, I think, was a win. State basketball tournaments, boys and girls, next three years in Dayton. I know you want it in Value City Arena. It's a morgue, horrible atmosphere. Dayton's a better venue. Dayton's just a better venue. It just is. Okay. Uh, then OHSAA announces that they're doubling the playoff field. So I knew their public stance on this was, hey, everybody loves to be in the playoffs, blah, 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 blah. There are a lot of problems with this. Number one, it's going to lead to some horrendous first-round games, 16s and 1s in each region. Field's not deep enough for that. But here's the deal. Sometimes you just have to admit that you're not going to agree, and you'll have to wait and see who's right. Okay? Doug Ute and the OHSAA are firmly in the opinion that more teams in the playoffs is what the membership wants, and they serve their membership. They believe the membership of the OHSAA wants more teams in the playoffs. Kids like being in the playoffs, whatever. I believe 12 was the right number, and 12 was the number they were going to go to before the pandemic shortened the season, made you know cancellations routine. Some teams play only six games. So in that situation, because it would have been impossible to fairly evaluate everybody on computer points with some teams playing 10 games, some teams playing eight, some teams playing six. They just let anybody in who wanted to be in. So they had a large playoff field, and they thought, hey, that worked pretty well. Instead of 12, let's go to 16. They had negotiated 12 before the pandemic with the Ohio High School Football Coaches Association, and I think they should have stuck with 12 for a year or two. Uh, but 
they didn't want to do buys, so I think the top two teams getting buys would have been smart way to do it. Uh, excuse me, top four teams getting buys would have been a smart way to do it, but they did it a different way. Okay, so be it. All right, but the real controversy lately is, hey, we're coming out of a pandemic. Nobody sold tickets for basketball or football like we could before because the crowds were limited, and now you're going to charge us a membership fee. Honesty is the best policy, okay? The OHSAA needs money. They are hurting big time. They've cut staff. They have paired costs. They have downsized venues for state tournaments. They're still hurting for money. And here was what I thought really, what I really appreciated about Doug Ute's visit with us on the PressProsMagazine.com Monday Huddle Show. You can watch that, by the way, at PressProsMagazine.com. Click on Features Monday Huddle and watch the interview. Um, since 2002, Doug Ute said the OHSAA has suffered an average of a 5% decline every year annually in attendance. Now, it doesn't mean 5% every year for 20 years. Nobody's coming to the games anymore. No, it means 5%. Let's say they have, you know, 100,000 people watching the games. 5% takes it down to 95. Then 5% of 95, it's not going to be 5. It's going to be less than that. So their attendance is dwindling. So since 2002, they've lost 433,000 fans at the football playoff games, all of them lumped together, and 150000 at the hoops tournament lumped together. That's a lot of revenue at 8 bucks a ticket. So they're struggling. And he was transparent enough to say we've got a $900,000 backstop in the bank account, but we don't want to keep spending that. So they're charging teams, schools, excuse me, I know I'm supposed to look at them as schools, like not like teams. Every varsity sport your school has, boys and girls, you pay 50 bucks to the OHSAA to be a member. So some schools will pay seven to 800 bucks. Some schools will pay, uh, if you have the most sports possible, 26, you'll pay 1300 bucks. It's a, it's a sacrifice for some schools. I think most schools can handle it. If it gets the OHSAA back up and running healthily, I hope they rescind that in a year or two. Let's hope we're all excited about going back to games and that, you know, the economy bounces back, inflation doesn't take over, um, gas doesn't become um, scarce like it is right now on the East Coast, and uh, we get back to normal life. That would be great. That would be great. So there you go. That's with uh, the OHSAA and uh, Doug Ute and his visit. Again, you can watch that at PressProsMagazine.com. We're covering the OCC now. Cool story on Jace Middleton, Ohio State legacy, son of Matt Middleton, Grandson of Terry Middleton. Shout out to Terry Middleton, uh, one of my high school teachers, uh, and still officiating uh, into his 60s. You get him, Terry. Uh, but uh, but uh, Jace Middleton, who's uh, one of Ohio State's top signees for next year, you can read that at PressProsMagazine.com as well. All right, um, AUIInfo.com. They're the health insurance brokerage you need to know about if you're a small business. Two employees to 50 employees. They'll line you up with a Chamber of Commerce plan. They'll save you money. Every time I talk to Chrissy at AUI, I get smarter about what businesses are up against and how businesses can save money and still offer great benefits to their employees. So check them out, auiinfo.com. They really do a great job. Chrissy's amazing. I mean, when you're a business owner or an individual too, because it's open enrollment now, you can change your health insurance too. 
isn't it just nice to meet somebody who's like really smart and a really good person and really like helpful and energetic and that's Chrissy and AUI gets it. They're a small business. They have 17 employees. It was a family business. Chrissy and her husband, Steve bought it and they're, they're just, they're knocking it out of the park, helping people and you don't pay them. The health insurance companies pay them. So I'm really passionate about AUI because I believe in good people and they are really, really good people. All right. NFL schedule. Well, first, let me make a let me let me note something here. You guys might be interested in reading this book. Uh, I saw today that former Buckeye Nate Ebner, and you're going unless you're like I think most people remember Nate Ebner. Nate Ebner was kind of a Jim Tressel creation, a special teams guy, and then he went and played for the New England Patriots and got a Super Bowl, a couple Super Bowl rings. He was a special teamer, uh, rugby guy, played in the Olympics. Um, and he's written a book called Finish Strong. Um, says it's about Ebner's relationship with his father, Jeff, who was Ebner's idol and best friend until he was murdered during an armed robbery attempt at his auto salvage yard in 2008. Jeff Ebner never got to see his son play football for the Buckeyes. The attack happened just one day after Nate told his father he was going to walk on at Ohio State and pursue an NFL career. But the lessons Nate learned from his father have inspired everything he's accomplished since, and that's the biggest thing he hopes his readers will take away from the book. You know what? This I'm reading from the 11 Warriors story, and I talk a lot on my radio show on 98.9 The Answer about um, parents and the importance of parents and the importance of fathers. This just shows you, right? Nate, Nate Ebner, who I don't know, but I'm going to try to get him on the show to talk to you guys. What an amazing testament to how important a bond with your father is. And he says, he tells 11 Warriors, I hope parents read this book. I think I had the greatest leader of all time in my dad, and a lot of that book speaks to that relationship. I think there's a lot of great talk about how to build strong relationships and a strong foundation with your children just through the experiences I talk about. There's no special recipe. It's just spending time with your children and giving them all that love that you have. Man, I got to talk to this dude, and I got to read this book. So Nate Ebner, finish strong. Look for that and uh, support this young man. He is uh, getting a very important message out there. Congratulations to you, Nate. And I, I know it's 13 years later, but I'm so very sorry that happened to your father. But I'm also very proud of you and, pres- and appreciative of you for taking what some people would look at as uh, something that allow them to uh, fall short in their life or be bitter or angry and not achieve. And you have, uh, you have used it to provide a wonderful legacy to the man who raised you and made an indelible impression on you. So that's awesome. Great job. Great job, Nate Ebner. Um, Okay. Now, uh, to the NFL schedule release. Woohoo! The NFL does such a super job at marketing. I mean, that NFL draft, what what a TV show that was with neon and stages and the walk and the camera angles and it's just like the NFL is, you know, an old league. It's got lots of tradition and all that stuff. But, man, has any league done a better job of staying, not just staying, becoming more relevant and bringing, like, people in who are in their teens, 20s, 30s, all the glitz, glamour, and yet not alienating the old school people. Uh, look at how the draft, if you're, you know, of my era, you remember when the draft 
was like nobody cared. Like you wanted to know who they drafted, but you had to like find out the next day in the newspaper. Then it went on ESPN and it was just a bunch of dudes sitting around with telephones at desks. And that was like, compare that to what you see now. It's amazing. And they milk every drop from the turnip in terms of content. They've turned the draft into a thing. They've turned the combine into a thing. They've turned the schedule release into a thing. Like, they are so good at this. And now they're dripping out the schedule. This morning we got week one. Tonight we get the rest of the schedule. I mean, how good is that? They they leak out week one so that tonight you won't forget they're doing the rest of the schedule. Just brilliant. The NFL is amazing. So... The week one Monday night game, Monday, September 13th, is Ravens at Raiders. Ravens at Raiders. So we'll have all the glitz of the new Las Vegas stadium. And, you know, Ravens are good. Gruden, he's good TV. What if Aaron Rodgers is a Raider for that game? Woo! Woo! That's pretty impressive. Uh, Other games of note to you. Rick Spielman's Vikings are at the Bengals. In week one, Kirk Cousins against Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And um, who the Vikings take? I forget who the Vikings took. Uh, At any rate, that's uh, the Bengals opener. Home against the Vikings. Steelers, oh, they're at the Bills. Watch out, Ben Roethlisberger, Josh Allen. Maybe going to get you. And then the Brownies, well, they ended the season in Kansas City. They'll start the 2021 season in Kansas City where they lost 22-17 to 17 to a, from the seven-minute mark of the third quarter on, Patrick Mahomes-less Kansas City Chiefs. I assume Mahomes will be back. Chad Henney will not be out there to scramble 13 yards on third and 13, or 12 and a half yards on third and 13, and then complete a five-yard pass to Tyreek Hill to sustain the march and keep the Browns five points in arrears in that game. No, they'll go with Mahomes, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and we'll see. Baker Mayfield and the Brownies with, like, an entirely new defense. Well, they got, like, nine. The thought is they'll have nine new starters on defense. Miles Garrett will be back. And who else? Who else might be back on defense? I'm more sure of the new guys they have. They have John Johnson, uh, the third who they signed in free agency. Grant Delpit, presumably back from injury. They signed Jadavian Clowney, Tack McKinley. Uh, they got new defensive tackles, Malik Jackson, Andrew Billings, uh, Greg Newsom's their first-round pick at corner, Greedy Williams. Uh, Greedy Williams was out last year, wasn't he? I think he was, yeah. Uh, and then they got uh, Awusu Koromoa, the linebacker from Notre Dame. So a bunch of new guys on the Browns' defense, and not like they were killing it. Oh, Denzel Ward's the other guy. What's wrong with me? Um, so Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett. If you're going to keep two, those are the two to keep. Uh, so yeah, Browns against the Chiefs week one. Now the NFL, I think did whiff a bit. Uh, I know this Ravens at Raiders is a decent Monday night game. Tampa Bay at the Tampa Bay at the Patriots, right? Isn't that the game? Tampa Bay at the Patriots. Tampa Bay is going to play at New England later on this season. We know that from the time that they, I left this out. First, they first a couple months ago they release who you're going to play, then they split that pie into here's week one, and then they split off the rest of the pie into here's the rest of the schedule. So when they said that Tampa's opponents in 2021 would include the AFC East, 
you knew the Bucs were going to play the Patriots. She didn't know when. Now we know the Bucs are going to open week one. Who do the Bucs have? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. Why can't I find that? What's wrong with me? Uh, at any rate, uh, they're not playing the Patriots in week one, which to me is uh, kind of a fail. Kind of a fail. So uh, Tom Brady going for Super Bowl ring number eight. The Sunday night game the first week is Bears at Rams. Bears at Rams. Maybe Justin Fields will be starting on the road. More likely it'll be Andy Dalton or Nick Foles. So uh, that's uh, the week one schedule. Uh, good to go. Good to go. Don't forget, uh, if you want to be good to go from your inflammation, your pain, back pain, elbow pain, knee pain, carpal tunnel, uh, plantar fasciitis, whatever, CBD Health Collection products can really help you. CBD Health Collection, it's CBD. It's from the hemp plant. You're not going to test positive unless you get CBD with THC in it. That's the chemical that is uh, verboten from uh, marijuana, but it's such a trace amount. Uh, you're not going to get high from it. Uh, but just no eyes wide open, you know, get it without THC and you have no worries. But make sure you get your CBD from CBD Health Collection because, man, they're phenomenal. I, I love their warming salve. I put it on my back when my back acts up and, hey, I'm good to go for three to five hours. So Monday, first big golf round of the year. Uh, got an outing. Can't wait for that. And uh, if I'm a little stiff and sore when I wake up that day, I'll apply the CBD Health Collection Warming Gel. Use my name, Bruce, and get 10% off. Use my name, Bruce, and get 10% off at cbdhealthcollection.com. Go to their website, find all their products, and uh, see which one is right for you. They have freeze gel. They have all kinds of things. You will not be sorry. You will get relief. It's awesome. cbdhealthcollection.com. In the news today, uh, May the 12th, 2021, we have... um, Scary headlines, problematic, troublesome headlines from the Middle East where the uh, Hamas-led Palestinian Authority is shooting rockets at Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, and the Jewish state of Israel. This is a rekindling of long-held hostilities, and these hostilities have their origin in the Bible, in the earliest times of mankind. These go back to the days of Abraham. And Abraham is the father of many nations, including us, including our, our faith. Abraham most often is seen as the father of the Jewish nation, Israel. But in actuality, Abraham is the father of many nations, as is made clear in the book of Galatians, where Paul is talking to the Galatians, and he makes clear that we are all Gentiles, Jews, everyone who comes to faith in Christ, children of Abraham, because God made a promise to Abraham that he would populate the earth with Abraham's descendants, and they would be more numerous than the stars in the sky and the sands on the beach. And they are. So we've been grafted in. We're not, I'm not a Jew by birth. I'm not an ethnic Jew. Uh, And you would say, well, the Jews don't believe in Jesus, Bruce. And most of them don't. 
unless they are what's called a Messianic Jew, which is someone who is Jewish but does believe that Jesus was the Messiah. But the Bible makes clear uh, from Genesis to Revelation that the Jews are God's chosen people and that God in his mercy, God in his love, God in his grace allowed us, who are not Jews by birth, to become children of Abraham, children of the promise through Jesus. That's how we become grafted into the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You can bear good fruit if you are in me, connected to me. So whenever violence erupts in the Middle East, it's scary because you think about the state of Israel. Israel is surrounded, and Israel's a very small nation. Israel is surrounded by people who make no bones about the fact that they want to wipe them off the face of the earth. Iran, many, the Arab world wants to get rid of the Jewish nation. But they're still there, and they're always going to be there. The Six-Day War in the 1950s proved that if you doubt God's faithfulness to the Jewish state, you're on the wrong side of history, and you will always be on the wrong side of history. So what can I share with you in the faith element of the podcast today that ties to current events that would encourage you? Because it's, it's do you feel the heaviness in our world right now? I do. I feel it very pronounced. It weighs on me. I sat in my chair this morning. I was praying for my daughters at school. I was praying for our world. I was praying for friends of mine at church who are going through duress. I was praying for my radio show this afternoon that I'll do it in a way that's pleasing to God. There is a heaviness. Schools, the public schools, the <laughs> the uh, tidal wave of error in our public schools, uh, denigrating people based upon their race via critical race theory, the threat to kids, making them question their identity in many different ways. It's a heavy time. It's a, it's a, it's a dark time. And it's easy to have that overwhelm you. But as Christians, we are not to wallow in that. We are not to deny the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I was walking through my kitchen yesterday, and I there was a radio station on. It was a Christian station. And the person commenting said something that just struck me. No matter what is happening in the world, there is a sovereign God who's in control of it. Now, I knew that, but it just was encouraging and strengthening to hear that. Years and years ago when I was first married, my wife went to college in uh, upstate New York. So we wanted to go back and see her college campus, show me where she went to school. So we did. It's very close to Niagara Falls. I am terrified of drowning. Okay. As we were walking toward Niagara Falls, you walk along the Niagara River. And as you get closer to the falls, you can hear the rumble of the falls. And you can sense the pull of the power of the falls drawing that water in the river toward the falls. And I don't know why, but I just had a thought in my head at that particular time. 
If you were in that river, there is nothing you could do to spare yourself from the impending doom of going over the falls. The power of that river is such that you could not swim to the side, you could not hold on to a rock, you could not withstand those forces. We're in a time in our world where the forces of evil feel that powerful. They feel like they're going to suck us right down over the edge and right into the abyss. That the kingdom of God is reeling. That the kingdom of God is under attack. It is under attack. We are more aware of the attack. It is no less under attack than it's ever been. The forces of darkness in this world, the forces of Satan, the forces of evil are intent upon claiming as many people as they can for hell. But God is in control. If he wanted to, I have no doubt that the sovereign God of the universe could stop those waters in the Niagara River like that. And he could stop those falls like that. He's done things like that in other times throughout biblical history. So, that's the encouragement. Let's remember who we serve. Let's remember the God we serve. Let's remember his sovereignty. He does not get surprised by anything. He is able to reorder the events of the world if he wants to. Nothing happens that he doesn't allow or permit. Our job is to maintain our faithfulness in his provision because that demonstrates trust which demonstrates faith, which is what we are always called to do, is to live by faith. So, I wanted to share with you uh, a verse that brings this home. John 6, verse 40. For it is my Father's will that everyone who looks to the Son, Jesus, and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. That's how things end. You don't know how things are going to end in the Middle East. You don't know how things are going to end in our public schools. You don't know how things are going to end at your job. You don't know how things are going to end with your family. You don't know if you're going home tonight. But you know that. You know that. The Father's will is that for everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him, will have eternal life and will be raised up at the last day. So, that should enable you to walk boldly, confidently, and obediently in the love of Jesus Christ, which he demonstrated for you and for me at the cross by dying a death he did not deserve to die, but a death he chose to die so that we could be forgiven of our sin and cleansed, and viewed as holy enough, as holy, not holy enough, holy, to be acceptable in God's sight. We have absolutely nothing to do with that, except that we believe in the sufficiency of Jesus and what he did. And that is what God calls us to do, is to believe that, to live it, to testify to others about it with our words, with our deeds, with our attitudes, with our confidence amid a dark time in the world. We may recognize it's more dark today than it was yesterday. 
But the kingdom of God has been under attack since the days of Abraham, and it's under attack now. But this is how the game ends, with Jesus raising everyone who puts their faith in him to new life. So I hope that encourages you today. That is what encouraged me today as I was trying to pray for everything that I want, for my daughter's protection, um, all those things. I just was finally struck by the fact that God could stop that river. He could stop the events of this world if he wants to. If he doesn't, he has a purpose in it. And it is my duty as a man of faith to trust in his sovereignty because he will bring about his good purpose. And I know how the game ends. And it ends with Jesus raising us to new life. So with that, I'll leave you today. Have a great day. And um, until next time, all the best.